You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Did you ever wonder where all that blood taken from you and your patients really goes? Only the shadow and today's guest knows for sure. To find out, please join us at the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is best-selling author, Dr. Michael Palmer. Dr. Palmer is the author of 12 medical thrillers. His latest novel is The Fifth Vial. He trained in internal medicine at Boston City and Massachusetts General Hospitals, spent 20 years as a full-time practitioner of internal and emergency medicine, and is now an associate director of the Massachusetts Medical Society's Physician Health Program. Hi, Dr. Palmer, and thanks for taking the time to join us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you, Bill. I'd like to start out with an easy question. A writer once asked Yogi Berra, what makes a good manager? Yogi replied, good players. Dr. Palmer, as an author and teacher of writing, what makes a good author? And please don't say good stories. Well, I think about three things that an author needs to have in addition to imagination. And those three things are basically discipline, which physicians have a great deal of, a love of people, which most physicians also have, and finally, a love of words. And so it's really those factors, a good imagination, discipline, a love of words, and a love of people. Regarding imagination, the fifth vial, your new book, is a little scary. Is this something you imagined or something you can conceive can may actually be happening? Books start from a very simple point, a what-if question that I ask as a result of doing a lot of reading, a lot of research, and deciding what I want to write about, and eventually begin to form it into a very succinct what-if question. For instance, in the case of the fifth vial, the what-if question is, what if the largest blood chemistry lab in the world, when their technicians draw bloods on a client, they draw an extra tube on each one of their millions of clients. The technicians think that the tube is for quality control, and the patients, of course, don't even look. They just look up at the ceiling and wait for it to be over. But the truth is it's not for quality control that the tube of blood is sent off to a lab in Texas where every one of their clients is tissue typed in great detail and put in a massive database for retrieval at a time when somebody might be interested in one of their organs. And that's basically the premise of the book. You make it sound so plausible. Oh, I think everything that I write is plausible or else it wouldn't be as frightening as it is. But do you think this may actually be occurring and is it going to get worse? I think little by little and in fact lot by lot our identities are being stolen for sure by our government, by the telephone company, by the credit card companies. Virtually everything that we do now is known to somebody. I tried to do some uh, online banking today and uh, I got a very small bill from the lady who comes and helps me with my garden and so I went on my bank site and they said, uh, well, type in the name of the person and her phone number. And I said, you know, I thought, well, they're not going to know. This is a lady who lives down the street. They're not going to know anything about her. But I did as they asked, and up pops her address and some little words about her. And I was astonished, you know. There, there's no secrets now, no secrets. So it's perfectly logical to think that somebody may have our DNA profile and our tissue donor antigen pattern, uh, but who knows? I just came from a Council of Economics meeting 
of the Illinois State Medical Society, and we had a presentation on e-prescribing from Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and United Healthcare. And you talk about data banks. With the e-prescribing, all the prescriptions from all the doctors will go to a central location, which they say already exists between pharmacies, where they will store all the information about any medicine we've ever taken in our lifetime. So it's invading medicine to a great degree also. Absolutely. It's uh, giving away your own uh, health profile to strangers uh, for them to use in any way they wish. You know, when insurance companies draw your blood now to do um, pre-insurance physicals, uh, the things they test for are, are very personal, and you have no control over it. And yeah. that stuff will, will end up in a database. Yeah, I found it very scary even five, six years ago applying for life insurance. And they asked me to sign, is it okay to test for AIDS? And I'm thinking, why? And it's just this data accumulation is scary. In your book, The Fifth Vial, there is a secret society involved. Right. And, and I've noticed that in a couple of, of your other books, uh, The Sisterhood and Society. Do you think these exist, or is this something you like to play with? Why do you, the theme of the, of the secret society keeps coming up in your stories. Secret societies are sinister under most circumstances, um, and the more believable they are, the more sinister they are. In the case of the fifth vial, the society that I wrote about, and I'm not really giving much away, was based on the the frustration that I found in doing my research among transplant surgeons who resented being the ones to have to do the operation but not having any control over who receives the organs. That's done by a, another database, and in the case of kidneys and, uh, and some other organs, it's done by a list that's put together without a lot of medical input. And I thought that frustration would be the perfect basis for a, uh, a secret society of surgeons who were frustrated with uh, the fact that organs often go to people who then go out and start doing the same bad behaviors, whether it's drinking in the case of a liver transplant or smoking in the case of a cardiac transplant, and waste an organ that is so precious. So uh, they basically have determined philosophically that they would like to control who gets the organs. And that's where the book begins to evolve. Have you ever been a member of or asked to join a secret society of any kind? Um, I'm trying to decide if you're probing me now for uh, personal data. <laughs> no, I have never been asked, aside from the AMA, to uh, join any uh, secret medical cult. But I imagine that it's possible for such things to exist. I mean, I belonged to a fraternity back in college. Oh, that's and, right. I was one of those, too. I you was, know, uh, we had the secret handshake and all that stuff. We had a grip. We were, you and I were probably in the same fraternity. That would have been interesting. I don't even think it exists because even fraternities have merged with one another. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. Michael Palmer. We are discussing his new best-selling book, The Fifth File. As a writer, I understand you have an interest in teaching writing to others, especially physicians. Could you tell me a little bit about your course and what one could expect if they take it? Well, I mentioned that uh, there are a lot of qualities that physicians have that would lend themselves to writing fiction. And there are, in fact, a lot of famous fiction writers who were doctors, many of whom people don't even know uh, were physicians like Somerset Maugham, Anton Chekhov, the Russian playwright, Arthur Conan Doyle, they were all physicians. 
And about eight years ago, a friend of mine asked me if I'd be interested in teaching a course for doctors who wanted to be writers because a number of doctors in other courses that this fellow organized had asked if there was a writing course for them. And uh, I got my friend, uh, Tess Gerritsen, who's a wonderful writer and a wonderful thriller writer, and she and I decided to run these courses. And, in fact, the courses have been going on now for eight years and have been great fun and hugely successful in terms of repeat attendance and good reviews from the people who have taken the course. We get about somewhere around 225 students every year in the fall, and anyone who's interested can go on my website, michaelpalmerbooks.com, and get the URL for SEEK, S-E-A-K, who is the group that organizes the talks. Are you willing to read their manuscripts after they've graduated from your class? No, but what I will do is, in any of the graduates who sell their books, I will certainly read those books and give them um, an endorsement, assuming that I like the book. In terms of being able to sit and read anybody's work, I'm first of all, I'm not qualified to do it, because uh, in the end, everybody whose work I read would end up writing like me. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. Well, no, a good teacher is someone, you know, when you go in and watch the artwork of their students, the flowers don't all look the same. So I really don't feel qualified to be able to break down what, what they're doing, but I can tell them the way I do it. And that's the same with Tess. Each of your books, as we said earlier, deals with a serious subject. Do you feel that as an author, you have the position of being on a bully pulpit that you can say some of the things you never could have said as a doctor? My goal in writing is to write about ethical issues in medicine, but my aim is to raise questions and not to answer them. And in the course of my books, I think I've raised questions about vaccinations and about uh, mercy killing and about uh, holistic healing and in the case of the fifth vial about organ theft and organ transplant. And uh, I enjoy raising the questions, and I enjoy bringing up the issues. And in fact, many of my books are used in high school and college ethics classes. I'm working on a new book now, it's almost done, about the president's physician and the 25th Amendment, which is the amendment allowing for the removal of a president uh, against his will. Sounds like the theme on 24. Well, I've heard about that. I don't watch television. And I'm hoping that people will have either forgotten it or that my writing will be a different slant on the subject. I look forward to the book. You mentioned raising ethical questions. If you saw a legacy that you would like to leave, what would it be and what do you hope to accomplish? I'm having fun, first of all. And the moment I stop having fun writing, I'm going to find something else to do. And the second thing is I I feel that I'm entertaining and educating people at the same time. And the moment I don't think I'm doing that, I'm going to uh, find another way to earn a living. Um, I love being a doctor. I always did. And I hate the fact that I've had to cut back on my medical practice in order to uh, devote the time to writing that I need to. So I don't really know what my legacy will be, except that I want people to believe that I, I tried to be honest, to write good stuff, and to um, not cop out and raise good issues. We have time for about one more question. What is the response you get from your doctor colleagues to your books? Well, mostly it's uh, mostly the response from other doctors uh, is either encouragement or jealousy, one or the other. As you know, there are a lot of doctors who aren't very happy with the profession right now uh, due to the paperwork and a lot of other things. And uh, I've never had doctors, a couple of them maybe, along the line, say that I'm off base and I shouldn't be discussing 
such issues as vaccinations. But uh, mostly I've been encouraged by doctors. I think discussion and raising issues is so important and so critical in an open society. So I thank you for raising many issues in your books. Well, thank you, Bill. I do have one favor. I'd really like to play Brian Holbrook in Miracle Cure. Aha! (laughs) Well, were you a football player in school? Yeah, but only at the high school level. Aha. But Harry Corbett would be a good role, too. That book has been optioned. That's about cheating in academic medicine uh, in research. And uh, that book has been optioned for a film, but uh, one never knows uh, with the film business what's going to happen. Well, I would like to thank Dr. Michael Palmer, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing The Fifth Vial. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Good day and good health.